talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think. And I wear it like a badge of honor. How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade. And John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on all of your podcast platforms. Joe Donald and John Mita here with you. New intro. Hopefully it worked. If not, you'll probably like, what is he talking about? But I tried to put one together and I hope it sounded good. If it did work, Johnny Mita, what's up, my man? Well, I mean, it sounds fantastic to me, Joe. Well, so. I know you you got a you got a preview of it though, so uh, <laughs> hopefully the peeps out there liked it. And also, disclaimer: I'm not in my little ghetto um, area where I normally podcast from when I can. With so, if you get any background noise, you know we like to make this a very organic podcast. If you hear any saxophone sounds, that's because Jake is playing the saxophone this year. So, if you hear any loud uh, notes um nice. he's grinding he's battling and uh so you may hear some saxophone sounds you might hear some kids screaming you never know what you're gonna get our mascot jefferson may speak up at any moment but that is know. the brother of the love podcast for you you got that right you got In a that nutshell. right so how you been brother all good all good you know it's uh victory week you yeah. know victory yeah. week so i'm assuming your text to me the other day um where your wish might come true, you said to me. I'm, I'm assuming that was in my reference to 30 days of not hating football. Yes, and yeah. it's, and it's exactly. So we've right. got, we've had 10, almost 10 so far. By the yeah. time the Eagles kick off, it is Dallas week. Why don't you uh, tell the people what we were you were referring to? Or did yeah, you? so I, uh, I had said uh, going in, starting to think about it going into the Giants game. If the Eagles could just take care of the next three weeks, the three divisional games, which, you know, could be a lot to ask from a team that had one win to win three in a row. But you beat the Giants, you get basically that mini bye. You get like 10 days off. Then you play the Cowboys. Then you get your regular bye, your full week off. Then you play the Giants coming out of the bye. It was about a 30-day span where we might, as Philadelphia Eagles fans, not hate the sport of football should they be able to sweep through. I would love a month of being able to wake up every day not miserable, being able to watch games on Sunday, not hating myself, etc. Uh, so they took care of step number one, a 22-21 to 21 come from behind win with about six minutes to go in that game. You had told me you had flipped over the debate. I was ready to smash a flat screen and stop watching football for the year. And then Carson Wentz did his Superman impersonation again. Boston Scott with a miraculous catch down the sideline at the corner, front corner of the end zone. And the Birds steal a 22-21 win from the stinking Giants to get to 2-4-1 and one and back in the first place. Uh, at least in the interim, in the NFC least. Your thoughts? Whew. Lots of pack right there. Um, yeah. Again, it's just a, a woeful, sloppy game, um, giving up an 80-yard run. And then oh. Daniel Jones, he gets tripped up by that old turf monster at Lincoln Financial yep. Field. Um, but there were some good things in the game that I saw. Uh, I love the fact that, 
Carson Wentz brought this football team, put the team on his back, and he came back and won the game. I mean, being down 21-10, you're thinking, oh, this might be over. I wish I did. I logged into my DraftKings account, and I was like, oh, my God, right now the Eagles are plus $950. I should just throw $50 on it just because they are plus $950. And I didn't pull the trigger, but I have a close friend of mine that did, and uh, he made out handsomely. But um, when they were down 11, when they were down 11 with six minutes. Yep, exactly. When they're down 11 with six minutes to go. Um, Defensively, there's still some issues. Uh, We we finally got some. We won the turnover battle. That's going to be crucial moving forward. It's the Eagles can't turn the ball over and we have to force some turnovers. Um, so, So that was a good sign. I think. It just reinforces the fact that Travis Fulgham might be the real deal. I mean, he didn't have the greatest game, but I, he just comes up big when he needs to be. But the dime that Carson went through Boston Scott for the go-ahead score was a thing of beauty. And that is, there's only a couple quarterbacks that could probably make that throw in this league. And it was it, it was a great throw. And good comeback win. You set yourself up. The Cowboys are extremely decimated right now by injuries, by terrible chemistry, by pretty much everything. And Yeah, uh, you know what? They they also have uh, one of the worst injuries you can have, and that is a torn heartilage. When you got no heart, when you yep. don't seem to care, when you quit on the field, it's evident to everybody. I don't think this is going to be a cakewalk Sunday. It's a divisional game. It's a rivalry game. But, boy, the Eagles should be able to win this football game with as bad as Dallas has looked. Yeah. Losing to Washington by, you know, gosh, that game was never even close, really, yeah. from what I saw. Um, you know, and they're playing with a third-string quarterback, possibly, on Sunday night. That you, Again, you don't have a lot of tape of, but right. if he was that good, he would have been starting somewhere or be a backup somewhere or whatever. Um, they got to go out and win this game. And, and, and when it – like, you know what? Here's a message for the birds, okay? We're tired of the nail biters, the squeakers, <laughs> the let's get down the last play. The say, I mean, can we just just rent, just run them out of the building and just take that their would be heart so nice to impose her will? I mean, I would love to see like a thirty-eight to nine game, something like that, where you just destroy them. Well, listen, in Dallas last year on Sunday Night Football, that's exactly what the Cowboys did to the Eagles. They ran them out of the building. I do remember you know? that. And I would love – you know what I would love, John Mita? I'd love to see Jalen Hurts in mop-up duty of the fourth quarter Sunday night throwing passes. You know what? I that love that. Would be, that would be that great. That would be terrific. That everybody could buy into. Exactly. And, you know, escape, get to the bye – you know, no more injury. I mean, the good thing is too. You got you got some guys that are practicing. Jason. Yeah, let's Peter. talk about that. Yeah. There's some big news today. Uh, back at practice in full pads: Dallas Goddard, Jalen Rager, Jason Peters, Malik Jackson, and um, T.J. Edwards, the linebacker, all practice today. So that's a good sign. And Doug Peterson said, if Lane Johnson wants to play and thinks he can play, he won't stand in his way. So could be some help coming. Now of that. Most notably is that Peters was back uh-huh. and he was at left tackle. Oh. Jordan Mailata was not with the first team reps. I know you've got issue with that. I, I got a huge issue with that. I mean, the kid is playing extremely well. 
he has he has proven himself week in and week out. And, and why? Well, why? the tape did show he had a rough go against the Giants, but whatever. Sure, like, but here's the deal: everyone's going to have a rough go. But when you say rough go, when when I hear the term rough go, I think of one tackle, and that's Winston Justice. Yeah, when he gave up like seven sacks to OCU Manure. And, and I thought they, it was Strahan, but I'm with you. <laughs> well, it might have been a combination of both. I mean, they threw yeah. anybody on them. But that is a rough go. Um, I, I just don't understand why we want to stunt the growth or, 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 or you know, prohibit this guy from maturing, getting the snaps that he needs to mature as a football player and to become a better tackle. And right now, I think he's done a hell of a job. Yep. And originally, Jason Peters was signed to play right guard. He wasn't signed to play left tackle. And I I think, why not upgrade two positions, right? I mean, you're you're better off, in my opinion, with Jordan Maliata, Maliata uh, as the left tackle. You make Peters your right guard. Then Nate Herbig slides out of there. And, again, you don't know. I mean, from what I heard, too, is if Wayne Johnson can't give it a go, they might – now, a lot of might play the right tackle position, but right. but I say keep the kid where he is. I think he's going to be the real deal. And you might have found yourself a left tackle in the seventh round, which according to Howie Roseman's picks, we might just describe that as the miracle of Christ. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm just not a fan. And again, Jason Peters, he might get back in there for three plays at left tackle, Right. Something goes wrong, then boom, right? He's right out of the game. Like, why interrupt the chemistry that, that it's been building on that side for a couple weeks? I just don't understand it. I mean, think about it. When they could get Isaac Sumalo back and he becomes, you know, you're starting left guard again. And then maybe Peters plays right guard. And then you have Mal- uh, Jordan Malata at left tackle. I mean, now you're forming, your line is coming back together, which should improve all facets. It should improve in, in getting Carson more time to throw the football, and it should also improve, you know, opening up some holes and trying to find that running game that this team desperately needs right now. Yeah, I hear you. Listen, it was uh, it, the Eagles' Twitter timeline was inundated with people mind blown over the fact that, well, first they heard Peters was going to practice. And so everybody's initial reaction, all the insiders was, well, it better be at the guard spot. But then it turns out it wasn't when, you know, either the media had access to practice or after practice and their conferences, zoom conferences. So it was certainly a surprise and certainly caught a lot of people off guard. We'll see how it shakes out on Sunday. I mean, the Eagles aren't always forthcoming about this stuff. We saw at the opening week, we thought the offensive line was going to look one way. And then Sunday week one, they snapped the ball, and it looked totally different. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, it's obviously a huge game. Hopefully they can find a way to shut down Ezekiel Elliott, make the Cowboys one-dimensional, put Darius Slay on Amari Cooper, and you hope to, to limit the big plays against and just find a way to get into a rhythm early in this well, game offensively. I, I think that's big. They've got to put up points early. They've got to play with the lead. They've got to keep this confidence rolling, the momentum rolling from, from a big come-from-behind win. Um, with the extra time off, there's no excuses Sunday not to go out and just beat the brakes off of Dallas. Again, I'm, I'm a little nervous about it. I got a little bit of a, oh, I don't know, like, 
Maybe Dallas shows up one last time to try and salvage their season. They they did jettison some players. They cut two guys today. They made a trade yep. earlier in the week. They're they're going to play younger players who could be hungry. Hopefully, they're younger and just not ready. But you never know. I mean, Dallas is Dallas is a team that needs this game or their season is effectively over. And we'll see how they how they respond. But they did not show any fight against Washington on Sunday. Their defense has been atrocious, one of the worst in the league. They give up more rushing yards than anybody in football. So Poopy Peterson better come out with a game plan ready to go, and I'd like to see a quick start from the birds, bury these clowns early, and like you said, take the fight right out of them. And again, as banged up as our offensive line is, I mean, Dallas has big problems. I mean, they're they're missing well. Collins, I think he's done for the year. Uh, they're starting left tackle. He's done for the year. Yeah, Tyron Smith. They Tyron may get Smith. Zach Martin back to this game. Uh, this Zach Martin season, could be coming back. But Mother's again, back. I still think they're down two to three starting line. Oh, they are. For yeah. sure. They have an so. undrafted rookie free agent starting. They've got a late pick yeah. starting. I mean, they are right. in disarray. And on top of that, they're you know they're not holding it together in the locker room. Yeah. Talking about their defensive coordinator. There's, you know, Dallas is always under the microscope nationally. And so you've got reporters looking to dig for stuff and it ain't hard to dig when players aren't willing to, uh, to focus on their task and they're more willing to talk to the media. So they was, put themselves in a terrible spot. The Eagles need to take advantage of it. I mean, it was just shocking. I mean, Andy Dolan got his head decapitated oh. on Sunday and not one of their players responded. I mean, nope. I would, I would have grabbed that live actor, you know, and dork- did you see the video? Um, that surfaced when P- Jason Peters went to murder the guy on the Redskins a few years back. Oh, yeah, after he hit Foles. Foles. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he that was – That video came out instantly, and folks yeah. were like, hey. And Brandon – Trent Cole, I think it was, went running into the scrum, buckling his chin strap. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> the Eagles stuck up for their quarterback a few years back when a That's similar it. play happened. That's it. Uh, and nothing like that from the Cowboys on a response side of things. Anything else, John? Me, I know we're jumping around a bit here, but anything else on the birds from that? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell Giants? you what. I mean, the other interesting conversation. Uh, essentially, we are, you know, a couple days away from the trade deadline. Yep. And the question is, are, are there are we going to be buyers or sellers? And and Joe, what do you do? Are you of the mindset? I mean, for me. Again, the reports are coming out that Baltimore and both Green Bay had offers on the table to acquire the services of Zach Ertz. Now that wow. now now that Zach Ertz is on IR, he can now not be traded because of these COVID rules, because of this new IR designation. So therefore, Zach Ertz will remain a Philadelphia Eagle until at least at the end of the season. Um. So, do you move other pieces? Do you move somebody from your defensive line, like a guy like Malik Jackson or Jannard Avery or somebody like that? Do you move a big piece like Fletcher Cox, or do you try to again? Like, I, I don't really see the point in trying to. I don't know of one player. The Eagles have so many holes and deficiencies yes. right now. I I don't know if acquiring one player at the deadline. Is really going to do anything? Uh, could they I, use I would, a starting linebacker? Sure. And again, is what is the cost of that? How much money does that guy make? Is that going to cause some more contract issues? Because 
when we look and break down the salary cap right now, it, it, it's not a friendly and good year for us. So, again, I'd love to trade Alshon Jeffrey, okay? But uh, there is not one team in the universe, I think, that'd be willing to pick up his contract right now. So that's well, look, more... you had two teams go out and sign a Des Bryant and Antonio Brown in the last three days. Well, so that tells you all you need to know about Alshon's contract. Nobody wants to touch it. Yeah. And on top of that, now his foot's apparently healthy. Doug Peterson said his foot's not the issue. It's the calf injury he got last week when uh, they were just having walkthroughs. So yeah. who knows what's going on there. It's, uh, or it's even if it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's a disgusting situation. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been he's been occupying a roster spot all year. I mean, if I'm the Eagles right now, I'm just staying pat because like you said, I don't think one player makes a difference. They have a bunch of holes, a bunch of needs. Yeah. You know, they win this game on Sunday night, they go into their bye having won two in a row. They come out of their bye with a win. They're four, four and one. They're in complete control of the division. Yeah. And you take it from there. You hope you're getting healthy. Now, I will say this. After watching Sunday, and maybe this is a bit of overreaction for me, I, you know, do not sleep on that Washington football team because their defense is legit and they've got a running back so they can control the clock. I don't know how they're going to get things done with the, with their quarterback situation, and they really don't have a ton of weapons up front at wide receiver other than McLaurin, but the Washington football team is playing hard for Ron Rivera, and they already have a win against the Eagles, and they have two wins within the division. I know they've gotten their doors blown off a couple times and they've blown a couple of games, but this is a team that, you know, I think right now is the biggest competition of the birds in this terrible NFC East. I mean, right now I, I, I would agree that they're probably the second best team in the division because it's to use one of your coin phrases. Because my somebody friend. has to be. <laughs> yeah. And somebody has to be. And the fact of the matter is that uh, Dallas is an absolute grease runner on every yeah. level. I mean, you got Jerry Jones, you know, yelling at radio hosts and telling him he doesn't have a leadership problem. Uh, nobody likes the coaches. Uh, everyone seems to hate Mike Nolan. Um, it's uh, it's awesome. I'm just basking in the <laughs> fact that they're imploding right before our eyes. And uh, all is silent from the Cowboy fans around here, which is amazing and which we encourage all the time. My last thing on the Giants game, what did you make of Deshaun returning that punt? Now, it oh. came out today. He yeah. went to Dave Fipp and said, if they punt it back to us, I want to be out there to try and make a play. You know what? I loved it. I actually – I was watching the game with Danny, and I said, listen, if he has an opportunity where it's pretty much not going to be like a fair catch inside the 10-yard line, like if he had some running room, I, I like him back there. Spot situations, you know, one time he could take the house. The Giants know that um, very well. Again, it sucks. The guy comes back, takes a, a vicious, dirty, late hit, and then ends up, you know, essentially getting his, his knee snapped back. Everyone thought, I kind of thought maybe ACL, but it turns out just a terrible high ankle sprain or, or it was an ankle fracture, right? Thing was a fracture. It, uh, it looked like a fracture from the way he snapped back, but I think yeah. they are deeming it a high ankle sprain. Either way, it's going to be a no. It came sure. out as high ankle sprain, and that's right. Then you know, again, you, you find out the real information a couple of days later that yeah, it was a fracture, just like Dallas got it. I think he had uh, the yep. same type of injury. So, hey, they were talking about getting him back for the stretch run. Well, he's going to be on the shelf into the stretch run. So we'll see what happens. 
I've got a stat of the day, a couple of them, like always, before we give our predictions for the game. This one comes from Ruben Frank. You know I like to stick-tap Rube oh, yeah. when uh, he gives me some knowledge. Carson Wentz's last eight touchdown passes have gone to practice squad alumni. Yeah, I mean, it's... Again, is that not ridiculous? Well, I mean, it's just, it just, this is the thing. There are a lot of Carson Wentz detractors in this city. And they're like, oh, man, I don't know, man. I'm jumping off the bandwagon. One particularly, you know, a friend of mine, you know him too, Sean Murtaugh. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was a Foles guy. And we saw what Foles did the other night. Uh, not great. But my whole thing is, before we just jump off the Wentz wagon, okay, why not give this guy a good offensive line, some better creativity and some play calling and some coaching and some legitimate weapons? Legitimate. I'm not talking fourth, fifth, sixth string wide receivers. Like guys where you're like, that guy's going to be a number one wide receiver. He's a two. Now, I think Greg Ward is an excellent slot receiver. I love what I see out of him. Makes tough catches, always seems to get open. He's like that new version of Jason Avant that was so crucial for those Eagle teams. I like that analogy. You know what I mean? Getting that first down, always knowing where the chains is, making a tough play, usually a big play in the game. He's perfect fit. Now the question becomes, who becomes one? Who becomes two? Does Fulgham become one? Does Rieger then become your speedy two? Does Hightower fill a role? I mean, and let these young guys play. I mean, I, I love it. But again, I just want him. But, I mean, he seems to have some tremendous chemistry with Travis Fall. I don't know. Even though the guy got there late, I mean, he they seem to hook up. I mean, they he, he trusts him. That's the one thing, you know. He's got to be able to – but he seems to trust any of these guys. I mean, yep. which is remarkable, you know, throwing a bomb right the ball. back to Hightown. Yeah, yeah, who was that guy that uh, they put in the game – uh, for that fourth down play against the Giants. Uh, oh, well, oh, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Hakeem Butler. Hakeem Butler. Well, I've actually, you know, I actually like Hakeem Butler. I like him. Oh, of course played. you do. The guy had not played an offensive snap in his life. No, but he was on my draft board years ago. I'll show it to you. I'll send it to you in the text. But I didn't realize that they make him into a tight end. But again, and I was well. I mean, that was completely past interference. But I mean, that's neither here nor there. But I hear. I mean, what a sc- crazy spot call, you know? I mean, you're right though. But yeah, out of nowhere, Hakeem Butler, one play. Stat of the day, part two. Okay. Brandon Graham, nine tackles for a loss this season, third in the NFL. He's having <laughs> could be right now, and again, it's just. You know, the, the early start, the, what, seven games in or the six-game start, and he's having the best season of his career right now. Yep. yep. I mean, I think he has six sacks already, which he hasn't hit double digits. And he's might have done double digits one time in his career. Could have been maybe right. more than that. But, I mean, he's on pace, so nice to see. Um, again, there was another name floated with they. You know, because right now he, he, he could have some big value on the market. Again, what that sure. means. But, I mean, he's he's a guy that, again, I was a huge Earl Thomas fan when they drafted Brandon Graham. I was, again, I thought he was a nice player coming out of Michigan. Um, But 
I, I'd like to see him finish his career in Philly when it's all said and done. I agree. John and me, a couple things for our listeners to key on Sunday night against the Cowboys and give us a score. All right. Key thing, okay, have to pressure the young quarterback. This guy, again, what did the Redskins do well? Their front four got after the quarterback. It's going to be imperative we do that. I do like the fact that Jim Schwartz mixed up the blitz game a little bit. He did some things. He sent some safeties. He kind of twisted some linebackers with some blitzing. So I like a little of that. Uh, Again, and like you said, you got to start hot. But can we, for the love of God, for the love of God, Doug, could we run the ball on first down one time? You know, you get these plays. You get these plays where, you know, it's like an incredible play. You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're keeping this drive alive. And then what do we do? We just put it back in the air. Like, my God, let's get some consistency. Let's let's get those boys up front motoring. Of course, they want to hit somebody in the mouth. So I'd like to see a little more try to get the run game going. It's the quarterback's best friend. Um, so I'd like to see that as well. And uh, my prediction is that uh, Darius Slay gets his first interception. It's a Philadelphia nice. Eagle. Okay, I think that's happening. And my prediction for the game, we're going large, baby. We are going large. I'm sticking to what I said earlier. We're doing it, baby. We're doing it. We're going to go. 38 to 9. I love it. You know who doesn't love it is NBC and the and the of course and the casual NFL fan because they have the Eagles in prime time on a Thursday night followed up by a Sunday night. Yeah. Probably not what uh, most football fans want to want to see. I'll go 24 to 13 in favor of the Birds. It's a it's a very realistic score. I'm looking for the defense to play its best game of the year. Shouldn't be that hard. Contain Ezekiel Elliott, like I said earlier. Keep everything in front of you and make Dallas earn it. They don't want it. A couple early scores by the Eagles. And by the late in the third quarter, Dallas will have packed it in. 24-13 is the final. Birds get it done, and we get to enjoy the bye week. Johnny made World Series champs, the L.A. Dodgers. Makes me want to throw up, but again. I mean, I'm I'm gonna say this. I was watching. I watched a lot of the World Series, and but, well, you know, at least at least a few innings every of of each game, right. if not more. Right. Last night, Tampa's up one nothing. Yep. They pull Blake Snell. Uh, worst moving analytic, analytic driven. Yep. Tampa Bay Rays. Yep. Kevin Cash has said it. Yep. He puts no feeling into the game. He manages manages strictly off numbers. He, he's been open about it yeah and he had to eat it today yeah and i give him credit for eating it today they take him out because they don't want him to go through the lineup for the third time with mookie Betts coming i turn it off for a few minutes go to watch some stuff on netflix i flip it back on the dodgers have the lead and the world's about to explode because blake snell should not come should never have come out of that game and i couldn't agree more you have to have a feel for sports you have to occasionally use your gut use your emotion talk to your players respect them enough to know that they're they're humans that they're competitors that they're going to battle like there's a level to go there a robot a computer a machine doesn't have another level okay blake snell's out there competing his butt off he's absolutely dealing nobody can touch him he gives up a little bloop single and they take him out of the game should never have happened 
Go to your pitcher, look him in the eyes, say, get this mofo out, and go back to the dugout. That's what should have happened. It didn't. The Dodgers go on to win. Who knows how it would have played out if Snell stayed in the game. But no game seven. Dodgers are the champs. Your thoughts? Um, again, I thought the Dodgers were pretty much the best team in baseball all year. Congratulations to them. Pains me to say that. Again, a guy like Clayton Kershaw, who's always been, you know, kind of like that postseason choke. Um, and, and you never want to see that. Um, and and Dave Roberts seems like a, a class manager. So congratulations yes. to them. They play well. But that manager pulling that pitcher out, I mean, he had 73 pitches. I mean, if that wasn't a Gabe Kapler move, okay, <laughs> I don't know what was. Because this guy was wheeling, he was dealing, and they should have just left him in. And honest to God, when they pulled him out, when they pulled him out, you, you can just see that whole team deflate because they were like, man, this guy's wheeling and dealing. And, and again, Tampa Bay has one of the best bullpens in all of baseball. But then the guy they brought in there was kind of getting hammered as of late. So it's like, I don't know, just a bad decision. You, you knew that that was going to be the, uh, you know, the, the nail in the coffin, so to speak, that that was uh, coming to an end. So, Congratulations to the Dodgers. And um, again, however, can we talk about the, uh, the the COVID mishap, so to speak? Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Justin Turner was pulled from the game in like the seventh inning. Right. And the broadcasters weren't made really aware of it. They were just like, huh, we wonder what happened. Right. The post-game show, they announced he tested positive for COVID. Right. So it was yanked from the game. That didn't stop them from telling the Dodgers and their officials and MLB officials to pound Sam when they tried to keep him isolated. He went out, partied like it was 1999, most of the time taking photos without a mask on, kissing his wife or girlfriend, yeah. whoever that rocket was. I mean, <laughs> what are we doing here, people? What are we doing? Oh, here? yeah. And, and just another just another uh, fastball in the face of the worst commissioner in sports, Rob Manfred. And uh, it was pretty interesting. But, I mean, again, it's just so crazy, like, how they got the result. Like, why did the result come back so late? Like, again, it just makes you question what was going on there. But a lot of people were pissed off the fact that he did it. And then other of his teammates took up for him, like, man, he's gritty. He's our guy. But anyway. Listen, I I get it. I get where he wanted to be there. I get you don't want photos with the trophy, with the mask on. I get it. But there's a way to do it, and it's not just completely buck the system and do whatever you want. Uh, I think there could have been a happy medium. I agree. You know, a couple of pictures and get them back off the field. But to have them out there for the whole celebration, it seemed like, was crazy. They had to know the backlash was coming. If I was a Dodgers public relations uh, member, I would have literally, like, shotgunned a beer or done a shot of something and said, I love the World Series, this is so great, and then I would have looked for the closest bridge because it is a PR nightmare. Um, We'll see what shakes out. Uh, Some good news on the Philadelphia basketball front. The Sixers have hired your guy, Daryl Morey, (laughs) to be their new basketball president. A five-year deal expected to be finalized over this weekend. Elton Brand will remain the GM. Uh, I also saw Sam Cassell is going to join Doc Rivers' coaching staff, so the uh, the front office, the coaching staff continues to move around and shake and make moves, and 
Uh, what do you think about Daryl Morey, who helped the Rockets to a lot of prominence in his years as their GM? I mean, I, I like the move. This is the guy that, that he is like the czar of trades in the NBA. And he's made some good ones and some ones that, but he comes with a great deal wealth of experience. I think Elder Brand needed a little help. Um, I like the fact that everybody's going to be working and I got to love Doc's staff. You know, he hires Dave Yeager will probably only be there for a year. But a lot of people were talking about maybe him as the possibility as a coach here. Um, he brings in Sam Cassell. Then they go, they snipe Indiana's assistant. What is that guy's name? That Joel Embiid with had words. Oh, yes. Um, so they sniped him and JoJo. So they've developed a hell of a staff, a front office, and it's going to be interesting to see how they build this team moving forward. I'm, I'm really Dan I'm, Burke. Dan Burke, exactly. The defensive assistant guru from Indiana. So I, I, I'm excited about the whole process because I think coaches that the process. Oh well, right, exactly. But I mean, coaches that have other good coaches around them. I think Sam Cassell is going to be great as far as development goes with whoever's playing point guard for this team. Um, so I, I'm excited. I think it's uh, the big question is, you know, how do you reshape the roster? These are the questions that are going to be answered. What do you do with a guy like Al Horford? Again, he was on our bus. So like to see him get out of town. A guy like Josh Richardson has like one year left on his deal. He could be another trade piece. Tobias Harris could be a trade piece, even though he played his best basketball for Doc Rivers with the Los Angeles Clippers. And then the big question is, do you keep Ben and Joel Embiid together? And that's going to be huge because immediately everyone's going, well, Ben Simmons for James Harden. Let's do it. So, again, there's a couple other pieces. You'd have to match up some money, maybe a couple other players. But I think everyone knows my thoughts on this one. If you had a choice between James Harden and Ben Simmons, I know James Harden plays as much defense as I did in my career, but at the same time, he's a guy that can fill it up. He can get other people involved. He gets to the free throw line. There is a lot of things that he does well. Again, we're talking about James Harden. He's 31 years old. Ben Simmons is 24. But I'm I'm excited about what's going to happen. So, yeah, very fired up. I'm not a fan of the beard, just for the record. Uh, not a fan. I mean, nobody is. But, I mean, that's his staple, man. That is his but staple. If, you, if he's dropping 35 to 40 a night and you got JoJo in the paint doing his thing, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. I, so. Yeah, I mean, just the space. I mean, now you have a legitimate shooter. I mean, could you imagine if they bring over, like, like uh, he's coming back for Roco. A guy yeah. like Eric Gordon and James Harden. You got three shooters right there to line up with JoJo. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that could be lethal. So, we'll see what they can do to, to reshape this roster. But I think the 76ers right now are making some good moves as far as getting their front office trained out. And I am totally in favor of the coaching staff that Doc Rivers has assembled. So... I will say this, Colin Cowherd, like him or love him, always talks a lot about he, he buys essentially and believes in organizations that have good strength at the top. Right? Yeah. He's an Eagles fan because he believes in a good owner in Lori. 
He thinks that their football operations are solid. And then you've got the quarterback and Wentz, right? You see that lineage. Right. In this instance, if the Sixers are going to get their front office in order, which has been a disaster, uh, say what you will about Sam Hinkey, but Colangelo and how that played oh, out. Absolutely. Handing out and brand the keys to the car. Now it, it seems like some infrastructure is going to be in place where they can start to get this thing back on track. And that'll be huge. I got one Daryl Morey story before we sign off here, John. Mina. Well, it's, here. Uh, it's not going to quite top the Doc Emmerich story. Okay. But once upon a time in Houston, uh, let's just say 2011 or 12, maybe a year or two before we mm-hmm. left, I got a chance to get some free tickets to a Sweden Toyota Center, which occasionally would happen from time to time for a concert or an event. And I took Kara to see Michael Bublé. Okay. Um, you know, not my cup of tea necessarily, sure. but I respect him. He, he's got some some uh, some pipes on him. He's belting out the tones. Right. She wanted to right. go. And like I said, didn't cost me a dime. We're in the suite. Well, guess who's in the suite? None other than Daryl Morey. And Daryl Morey, I swear to God, <sighs> took his shoes off in the suite. Yeah. And he's sitting there literally like a foot and a half, two feet from me, no pun intended, yeah. with no shoes on. And I couldn't freaking believe it. No. Did he re- like, did he remove listen. socks? Did he have flip flops on? Like... I, I don't remember. No, no, no. There were shoes that came off. I believe he was rocking socks there then in the suite, checking out Buble on his phone half the time. I'm not a big like people that take their shoes off in airplanes. Uh, uh, remember that was on our, our damn that tacky segment, man. I was talking about that, <laughs> so I knew exactly. I where forgot you're about damn that tacky. Uh, we got we got to bring that back, man. So keep your eyes out for we this. We have had a lot. Of, we have had a lot of fleeting segments. I'll like text you and be like, "Yo, new segment for tomorrow," and then it never comes. Yeah, back yeah, no, that, no. So we'll bring damn that tacky back. We'll, we'll have to, right. you know, do some research and survey. And some great people watching over the next couple of weeks, but we'll we'll, we'll get that right. going again. Love it, love it. So anyway, Daryl Morey, Toyota Center, Michael Bublé concert, circa 2012 or so. He took his shoes off in the suite, a, sitting next to us, violation. and I was just mind blown. Yeah, that is, you know, I mean, the, the, the only thing, come on, man, the only thing that would have made that worse is if he pulled out the old nail clipper <laughs> out of his pocket and started trimming his nail. Oh God. Oh, God, that would have been terrible. Uh, by the way, I got recommended by from a couple of people, my dad included, to watch uh, David Letterman's My Next Guest Needs No Introduction okay. on Netflix. Okay. Some new some new episodes out. Okay. One of them's with Dave Chappelle. It's awesome because Dave Chappelle's the man, but it's awesome because Letterman is really, really top of the line at interviewing folks, as we've known for a long time. But it has a, it has a heaviness to it as well from just the making you think uh, ways we can improve the society. It's got some good lessons to be learned in there. So I recommend checking out all that. Did you see it, Jim? David Letterman. Did you see it? I watched it. I watched it the other Oh, night. yeah. Well, that's awesome. great. It's about 50 minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, I guess, like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, you know, did a similar type thing where he, like, go out with, like, famous celebrities. And... Yeah, the comedians in Cars Getting yeah, Coffee is a great Right, show. exactly. So, and this is a very similar concept. Right, right, this right. Is a little yeah, bit I would more love, serious I mean, tone, is, though. You know, I mean, the guy, he's, he's brilliant. And yeah. he's very... I mean, like I've said before, Dave Chappelle says, like, hey, how are you? To start his stand-up, and I laugh. Yeah. So, yeah. but this has a, a societal... Yeah, yeah, he's always some... been a, a very even-keeled... Yes. I mean, believe it or not, I mean, people, I mean... 
when you say where you think Dave Chappelle lives, like a lot of people say, well, he's got to live in California or New York or somewhere. Yeah, no, no he's in Ohio. Well, Ohio on a farm, <laughs> on a farm. Yeah, yeah, I know it's crazy. So, but, but I check out that absolutely, episode. man. Time, Johnny, yeah, that's a great watch for sure. All right. All right, good stuff as always. Go birds, Dallas. You Sox, got and, it. Uh, you're the man. Bang them boys. Bang them boys. Can't stand the Cowboys. Ugh. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. As always, appreciate the love and support on all your podcast platforms. This is the Brotherly Love Podcast for John Mita, Joe O'Donnell. Till next time, go birds, and we'll see.